Well, get ready to retire a little smarter today. Walter Storholt here alongside Tyler Emmerich, Certified Financial Planner at True Wealth Design. He is solo today, running the ship, and uh, we can't wait to chat with Tyler a little bit on today's episode and kind of a special episode for you as well. If you're new to the show, the True Wealth Design team has uh, several offices and serves multiple areas across the country based out of Northeast Ohio, but also offices and presence in Southwest Florida and the greater Pittsburgh area, but can help clients really anywhere across the country. If you've got any questions, you can go to truewealthdesign.com. Tyler, Kevin has taken the day off, turned the keys over to you, my friend. You ready to roll? Oh, I am. Absolutely. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. We were talking nice. before we hit the record button on the show today. We are. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm remote. I'm on a what's supposed to be a working vacation, but it kind of is just like work. And then evenings, we're trying to treat it like vacation. So I'm down in Myrtle Beach today. So we're we're, we're going not quite international, but we're we're all over the country <laughs> today, Tyler. So it is uh, good to be with you. And we've got a great show on the way because. You're going to kind of take us under the hood of True Wealth Design, and we're going to get to explore a little bit. You know, we probably have a lot of people who have listened to this show, Tyler, for you know many months, if not a couple of years at this point. And every once in a while, we like to kind of do a deep dive into somebody's experience with the True Wealth Design team, with you and Kevin and the rest of the crew there. What's going through their minds as they get ready for retirement? What's that first meeting look like? How does the process unfold from there? And you're just going to kind of walk us through that story and that journey. So I can't wait. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, Well, you hit the nail on the head. I called it a case study, but I love the short story. I think that sounds a lot more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> case study is very like stuffy, right? Right? So, yeah. yeah. Well, I was, when I was driving in this morning, I was thinking about that. Like, oh, what do we call it? What do we call it? The story? No, that's that's great. Case study definitely sounds very, you know, back in college in a lecture room. So. Yes. Well, we're going to learn as much as you would in a case study, but with the, the softness <laughs> of, a, of a good old story. So. Right. Absolutely. And The client that we're going to be talking about today is someone that I've been working with for just about a year or so now. And, you know, this individual situation is really, I mean, it's very similar to a lot of the clients that we work with on a a day in, day out basis. So I think there'll be a lot of tidbits and educational things that were concerns of his uh, when we were meeting that it will be very applicable to a lot of the listeners out there. And even more so, or maybe to build on that a little bit as well, if there's any listeners out there that have maybe never worked with a financial advisor before or are sitting there on the fence saying, hey, is it time to start? Or how do I know if I actually need one? Is my situation really that complex? Um, I think you know we'll try to frame the story in a way to give you a little bit of an insight like Walter had mentioned on that process, maybe what those first meetings look like, uh, what were some of the concerns that he brought in to us, you know, how we handled those and fielded those types of questions. Sometimes I think individuals can build up financial planning and there's in their mind, they have this idea of like, hey, I got to have like 10 million bucks. I got to have a ton of money to come in and actually work with a financial advisor. And Walter, I really just, I don't think that's the case. And, and, and more often than not, it's not the case. I've definitely heard that multiple times where someone will be like, oh, I, I wouldn't qualify. I have to have multiple millions of dollars to even be worth a financial advisor's time. And, you know, it's so often, you know, someone who just thinks they're a regular old folk, you know, I'm, I'm just regular folks, you know, mm-hmm. like, and then yeah. they still can benefit from meeting with an advisor. It's amazing when you then hear those kinds of stories and how those turn out. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I even think about my own situation. I mean, when I first got in the industry, I mean, you know, I was talking to my mom and dad about financial planning and, you know, my mom ran a machine shop. My dad was a bus mechanic, um, you know, about as blue collar as you could get. Right. And, uh, you know, a few years into the, being in the profession, I you know, talked to mom and dad. I was like, hey, you, you guys should probably meet with someone. And Typical response, right? Like, what do we need to meet with someone for? We have a very basic situation. We don't have, you know, anything to anything to talk about. And you know, as with anything, right? Over time, I kind of uh, warmed down. I didn't have a really a good answer for her. like, <laughs> okay. I was just like, yeah, uh, I guess that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> and then oh, you great. know, as you get more experience, you get more comfortable, and you know, I, I could come back to her and eventually hounded her. I was like, look, mom, I mean, you've got you know, probably less room for air um, than someone that does have, you know, millions of dollars. So making sure that, you know, you've got your ducks in a row, you make your decisions right on social security, you invest properly. I mean, it's probably that much more important because they have such little room for air. Um, and that was, I think, the the point that kind of won her over and eventually got her into the, uh, got her into meeting with someone. So... That's fantastic. Um, yeah. I, I think you're exactly right. Less room for error. So even more reason to meet with an advisor in those situations. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And as we kind of dive into the story of the individual that I'm thinking about today, I, I actually get to name them. So I think what Dr. Smith, does that sound good? Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dr. E- Smith. Though, I like it. Dr. Smith is pretty generic. So I guess I, I kind of thought I would come up with something cool on the fly and Dr. Smith's definitely not it, but Sounds, that's all right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I could see Dr. Smith being like, uh, you know, maybe a, a good like superhero right. uh, villain name perhaps or something like that. I, I like so it's, that. It's we'll got do some superhero, intrigue to right? it. <laughs> so, so Dr. Smith, the superhero <laughs> came to me. He actually worked for one of the uh, local hospital systems in the area, Mercy Health. And you know, for those listeners that are unfamiliar with like Northeast Ohio, um, there are a number of large hospital systems in the area, you know, um, Cleveland Clinic, UH, SUMA, uh, Mercy Health uh, is one of them. And I had, you know, worked with a number of individuals from these hospital systems. Um, and I had an individual that I worked with for a number of years at Mercy and actually referred uh, Dr. Smith to me, which, I mean, really, that's that's not uncommon um, to get a referral. I mean, as you think about benefits to any employer, not just the healthcare field, but any employer, they have their own um, retirement plans, benefit packages, and there's all sorts of different quirks and things like that that'll come up over time. So um, those referrals are you know, very natural and very common because we have a good understanding of, well, hey, what, how does our benefits work? What are some of the things that we're going to need to know as we maybe transition to retirement or you know, transition to another company or whatever? And you know, understanding those options and what it looks like, I think, is a, a pretty nice value add. So that's how I, I got introduced to, to Dr. Smith. As you kind of think about all right, how does that process even work, right? Um, A a lot of times what will happen is whether it's a referral or someone that just goes on our website and asks for, uh, you know, us to contact them, you know, what you're typically going to get is we're going to have a a phone call or set up a time to have a quick conversation over the phone. And these conversations, what, last 10, 15 minutes or so. So they're not really meant to be in-depth, a bunch of questions. I mean, it's really much like, hey, Let's get to know each other. What are you looking for? You know, answer any immediate questions that the individual might have. And then is every, if everything kind of jives up, right? Okay. Hey, let's set, let's set aside some more time, maybe come into the office or do a virtual meeting, uh, where we can actually, you know, dive into it a, a little bit more. So most of the time we're having that first conversation. And then if everything goes well and it makes sense, we'll set up a, a more in depth meeting where we have a little bit more time, uh, set aside. And those subsequent meetings are called 
discovery meetings, initial consultations you might hear. Um, and a lot of those are done virtually now. Some of them, obviously, we're still here in the office. So if you're in the you know Akron area, Canfield or, or PA, one of close to one of our offices, you can still come in. But that's generally what happens first. And then we come in for this, this first meeting, which I'll tell you what, Walter, probably some of my favorite meetings are those first meetings where you're getting oh, sure. to know people for the first time, right? Yeah. So it's like the first date, right? You got lots of questions that you can ask and you're getting to know each other. And, uh, you know, the, the, the first impressions are always kind of, uh, you know, exciting to see if you're going to be a good fit for one another. You got it, right? Well, and, and two, I think I handle those meetings all the time. So I probably can take it for granted a little bit that like we try to set those meetings up the best we can and make sure people are prepared and know what to expect. But I think a lot of times when individuals come in for those first ones, their expectations can be all over the place. And it can probably be a little bit overwhelming at sometimes Mm. like, well, hey, what are we going to talk about? Where is it going to go? You know, you come into So really, you're like number one job is to help people feel more at ease, it sounds like. Oh, you, you got it. Well, in a lot of those those meetings, it's not like, hey, you're going to have to come in and you're going to meet with me and you're going to have to make a life-changing decision that you're committed to for the next 20 years. <laughs> it's nothing nothing <laughs> like that at, at all. And those meetings are much more focused on the individual um, or the family that comes in and talks to me. And, and it's my job to really help facilitate that conversation and get it to a place to where, you know, we understand what they're trying to accomplish. They voice their concerns. They get their questions answered. And we really try to find out, hey, is this going to be a good fit? Um, and, and are we going to be able to step in and help them in the way that, you know, they need, they need that help? And I think everything, I mean, shoot, you come in for a meeting with us, typically you're going to meet in one of our conference rooms up front. I mean, it's a pretty non-threatening room. It's big. It's got a lot of chairs sitting around a table. I mean, heck, Walter, we got candy out there, coffee, very, very relaxed environment uh, to say the least. All right. I like it. Are, are, are you brewing the coffee, Tyler? Who's, uh, who, who's, the, oh, who's oh, the barista in the office? Yeah, I, I do it. We've got a few other individuals that do it as well. Whoever's around or whoever sits, seats them you know, pretty much takes care of that. But we've nice. got plenty of coffee, we different got, we flavors got ha- too. We've got some hazelnut going on or a haz- French yeah. vanilla. <laughs> hazelnut? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Kevin even splurged on a pretty good coffee machine as well. Okay, nice. I, yeah, I wouldn't expect anything less of Kevin. Day. Yeah. yeah, two, yeah. two cup a day person here I am. So I drink my fair share of coffee. But, you know, and and. In Dr. Smith's case, um, his was a little different. Um, we were pretty busy that day. So he actually came in and met in my office, which is a little smaller, a little more intimate. So you never know what you're going to get when that happens. I still got the coffee, still got the uh, still got the candy sitting on my desk. But when he comes in, I mean, the first thing that, that he mentioned, he sits down, you know, says our pleasantries and, you know, and all that good stuff. And he's like, hey, I'm retiring. Now I need you to tell me I can retire. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice, nice and direct. <laughs> you got it, right? Like, hey, we got to fit a plan to kind of make sure that I can, I, can, I can do this. And I know he was half joking, but a lot of those individuals that come in and meet with us, it's that they, they have something going on in their lives, right? Or a big change, whether it's sure. retirement, uh, maybe an inheritance, um, you know, maybe a kid's going off to college, whatever the case may be, you know, that big life event gets them thinking about the future and that and they come in and see us. I guess you also get people who come in probably of different mindsets, right? Like someone might come in and say, hey, I don't know if I can retire. And that's like the level one. And then there's folks that are like, I think I can retire, but I'm not sure, kind of lacking that confidence side. And then you have people that are like, hey, I know I can retire, but I, you know, just, what, what do I do? Like, tell me <laughs> how to do, do it. Do? Let, let's do it. Like, I know I can do it, but I need to know the how. You got it. Absolutely. 
the earlier you come in, I'm a planner, right? So the more we can get in, the more time we got, the more comfortable I'm going to feel. Uh, the less time, the, the, you know, hey, I got a decision I got to make within 30 days. I got to get this done. You know, sometimes that can be quick. Um, but whatever the case, um, I think, you know, getting an individual coming to the office and, and you know, seeking out help in the financial industry or a financial advisor is it's just great. Um, and you, it's a big first step. And I think the important aspect to remember is that, you know, a lot of times these first meetings with us is very, it's not like you're going to get pitched or sold something and you're going to have to make that life changing decision right now, right? It's more so giving you a forum to have a, a conversation that we can lead if need be and ask questions or, you know, if you've got a lot of concerns and, and questions to give you time to voice those and see, hey, how, how can you get the help that you need to fix that? So in Dr. Smith's case, um, he had, as with most individuals, you know, a few topics or a few things that were extremely important to him. Um, and you know, when we first got into the conversation and started talking, sitting there drinking our coffee, I always generally ask and try to get a framework for, hey, have you ever worked with a financial advisor before? Have you had any experience uh, with someone in the industry? And in his particular case, he, he actually had, um, it was, it was actually a number of years ago, over 10 years ago when he had, uh, met with this individual and, and worked with him for a few years. And I'm always curious or always try to ask like, well, how did that, how did that go? Right. And how did the conversations and, and, and what happened? And, you know, in his case, it really wasn't a good experience. He actually, uh, stopped working with the financial advisor and hadn't been working one for really the last last 10 years. And a few key things that he said, I'll, I'll, I'll really never forget. I mean, the first was he felt like that. He said, every time I came into the office, I, I really felt that I was really being pitched something new or the latest and greatest thing. So whether it was a product, whether it was a particular investment, um, you know, all those conversations were the advisor, you know, pitching something and not really giving him a forum to, you know, say, hey, what, what's on the agenda or what are you wanting to talk about or what's going on in your life and how can we frame that conversation to best meet his needs? It was very much the uh, advisor's uh, agenda. And you know he felt that that put him in a spot to where he, they were always reactive as opposed to proactive. And what I mean by that is, or at least what he meant by that, is that you know when he had a concern uh, that he came up, he had to bring it up and the advisor would then have to, you know, Kind of digest that and then talk through it. It was never the advisor proactively saying, "Hey, based off the information that we're at and 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 what we have on you and where we're going, the changes from you know last year to this year, maybe we need to talk about X, Y, Z." It was never that. It was always, "Hey, Dr. Smith, bringing up I seen an article or um, you know I seen on the news where X, Y, Z is happening. Let's talk about it." And it was very, very reactive. And he said that, that that stuck with him. He's like, well, why wouldn't I just do that myself? I can, you know, I'm get headlines or I watch the news. If I need more data, I can find it and research it myself. And that's kind of the um, the vibe that he had when he had, he had worked with him. And he said he really didn't like it. And I think a lot of a lot of individuals, you know, have a very similar experience with advisors in the past. And it kind of puts a bad taste in their mouth mm. um, and just says, hey, that, we can, that can we be can hard do to overcome. I'm guessing, right? Absolutely. Well, and I think what had drawn him to, to us, and he had done quite a bit of research on our firm, and obviously he was a referral, so he, he had talked to the individual that I worked with for years. But it was very important for him that, you know, the advisor that he worked with had, you know, didn't make commissions off of like investment products, so he wouldn't feel like he would have to be 
you know, sold something or have to make a decision on every meeting on whether he would put money in here or there or whatever the case is. So he didn't want an advisor that was paid off of commissions for investment products. He wanted a fiduciary, which is a term you know, probably most listeners have heard. If you haven't, a fiduciary is just a financial advisor that really has to put the client's interest above their own. It's kind of a shame that we have to have a term specifically for that, right, Walter? But but we do. Um, and a CFP professional is someone that, you know, probably an easy designation that if you see after someone's name to where you can kind of say, hey, they're likely going to be a fiduciary, be in a fiduciary capacity. And then the other thing I think that I would like to point out here, you know, as I think about, you know, the way that we have typically have those meetings or work with individuals versus what he was getting with that prior advisor is the reactive versus being proactive. I think being proactive is really a big piece of what our job is, right? And the way that we kind of bring that to light or try to be proactive is, you know, we're very uh, process-oriented firm. So most of the time when individuals, or not most of the time, just about every time an individual that works with us on an ongoing basis meets with us, we're going to have some type of meeting agenda um, that we're following to make sure that we cover some of the big topics that are going on and uh, the world or going on in their specific situation. And a lot of people, I think, when they work with financial advisors, they get the, what, the big 90-page book, Walter, that has everything in it that they would need. Mm, the, the shiny uh, brochure, it, it, multiple pages, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, and we, we, we have that, but I think the vast majority of families, when they come and meet with us, they, they go off of that meeting agenda, which is much more clear, much more concise, has a lot of the major um, – you know, planning items held in it. And I think it gives a sense of purpose to every meeting that we have, and it kind of keeps that on track. And then of course, you know, prior to every meeting, giving uh, clients the ability or the opportunity to say, hey, what's on your mind? What What's important to you? Is there any life changes um, that we need to know about and things like that to get in preparation for the meeting allows us to take the time to kind of tweak and develop that plan and make sure that that's as productive as meeting as possible. Well, it's quite the uh, beginning of the process, getting to know each other and then kind of getting to know those needs and those values. And then you start marrying that all into your process. And I can see where all that starts to, to work together and build momentum into the direction that you want it to. Absolutely. So he had quite a bit of questions about just our firm in general and our process. And I think a lot of families that come in do. But, you know, as we kind of move down his list of action items or things that were important to him, you know, of course, retirement, right? I mean, he said, hey, I'm retiring. I need you to, uh, you know, tell me I can. And when we think about retirement, the, there were two things that were on his mind specifically that I think are on the minds of a lot of families when they meet with us, and especially families that are getting ready to retire. It's like, what are we going to do for healthcare? And then what am I going to do to get a paycheck? And handling those two questions, I think there can be a lot that goes into it. And uh, Dr. Smith's case, um, he was uh, over 65, so he was eligible for Medicare. So that healthcare decision was um, a little less complex. You know, he over 65, so he went on Medicare. You know, he got he would just generally get signed up for Medicare Part A and Part B, and then his decision point would come into play and decide, well, hey, how do I want to get some additional coverage? And generally, the terms that you're going to hear are going to be a supplemental plan or an advantage plan. And we've built up a network of um, individuals that help us with that. Uh, Zig Novak is the individual that we've worked with for a number of years here locally. I think he was on one of our podcasts um, a number 
well, about a year ago or so. Um, but, you know, he would come in and he would be able to meet with them and go over those particular options. And then we would be able to help facilitate that as well, all in house. So in his case, you know, Medicare was a major concern for him, but the way that we would go in and fix it was, um, I would say less complex than someone that was actually wanting to go in and retire maybe pre-65. And then we have a whole um, another set of options and concerns that we need to be thinking of. Because if you're not 65, of course, you're not going to be eligible for uh, Medicare. And you're going to be looking at maybe COBRA, uh, you may be going on an individual healthcare plan or a spouse's plan if uh, if that's ab- uh, available to you. And when you go into those decisions, I mean, there's a, a lot more complexity that's going to be in there. You might have to manage your income uh, or how much income hits your tax return might come into play there. You might have to be worrisome, you know, how long do you need this coverage? Of course, COBRA, you can you know, generally only get for 18 months. There are a few circumstances where you can get it a little bit longer, but you have it for 18 months. Um, or, you know, if you can jump on a spouse's, uh, that would be good as well. And, you know, kind of looking through what those costs look like, how much healthcare are you utilizing, all goes into that as, as a decision. So healthcare was big on his list, you know, and that was one that we could check off relatively easier. But, you know, I think the second item is a little bit more difficult, and that would be just overall distribution planning, right? And when I say distribution planning, really just want you to think, hey, where's my paycheck going to come from? I'd say it's fairly important, Walt, wouldn't you agree? Very How important. am I going to get paid? <laughs> yeah. Where's that coming from? How How's it going to get into that bank account? Yeah. You got it. Well, I mean, he was not unlike many individuals where, you know, over the years he had had a few employers and, you know, over time you have, you, you can accumulate multiple retirement plans. You know, if those employer plans are in 401ks or 403bs and still tied to employer, well, now you have to go in and take a look and say, well, what are we going to do with those plans and which plan should I actually start you know, taking distributions from. Um, and it can be a bit overwhelming. And then you start adding in, okay, I got all these retirement plans and then maybe I have a nest egg that's saved in my savings account. Maybe I have an investing account that we could potentially pull from. And it's like, well, how do I bring all those together to do my distributions or take them in a very tax efficient way or in a way that's going to, you know, best suit, you know, the plans that they have available to them. Well, uh, as you can see, it starts to get deeper and deeper in terms of uh, the moving parts. This is where, you know, maybe your process starts in a similar way for folks, Tyler. And then once you get into these details, that's where each individual plan and process starts to get customized, right? Because now you're getting into things that really only Dr. Smith is going to be mm-hmm. facing or trying to navigate through. And that, that's probably the fun part for you guys. Well, absolutely. No, no doubt about it. Well, in his case, um, and I wouldn't say this is exclusive to his employer, um, but he had um, what's called a non-qualified 457B plan. Um, and for individuals that have that available to them, what this is, is this is a retirement plan that's offered through an employer where, you know, if you're maxing out your traditional 401k and 403b and you're looking for another place to save, that 457 plan can be another place for you to put back money. And when you make those contributions, you get a tax deduction for it. And over time, that 457 account continues to grow. And then once you retire, what happens is, or at least in his case, uh, the plan rules dictated that he had to make an election on what he wanted to do with that money within 60 days of him leaving. So he had a little bit of a time frame there where he had to say, all right, what am I going to do with this account? It can't be rolled over into another retirement account. I have to start taking money from it. I have all these options on how much I take and how long or however, how many years I take it. How do I, how do I make that decision? And that was a pretty big pain point on 
for when he came in, like, hey, what am I going to do with this? Because I don't want to have this account just cashed out and all taxed in in this particular year, which would have been the case if he didn't make a decision on it. So then where did you take him from from there, Tyler? What was next in, in the process for him? Next in the process for him, and I think this was his other big, big pointer coming in was really having an estate planning conversation. Um, he had lost his spouse a number of years ago and it was him and he had a few children. Mm. And he's like, hey, I'm, I've been doing this on my own for the last 10 years, but I've never had a conversation with any of my children. None of them know where my accounts are. I, I have... I think he had about three, he had three different custodians, meaning that his accounts were at three different companies. And he started to think that, Hey, if, if something were to happen to me, what, what are my kids going to do? Right. And, and this could be a, a very big challenge for them to track down all these accounts. I don't have anything in one place. Um, and he's like, I want to make sure that I have the documents in place to ensure that that transition is very smooth. And in his case, he actually wanted to, and we have started to have meetings with his children in. Um, so that way they get a framework for understanding like, hey, what is their inheritance going to look like? Where, um, What's that distribution plan going to look like? And if something were to happen to him and he didn't pass, well, he doesn't have a spouse in there to kind of handle bills and take care of things. And having his children in on some of these planning conversations to at least get a framework for, all right, who would they call if something happened? You know, What would they need to do? Where would they get money? Uh, if they needed to cover medical bills or anything like that, I think it was very, very important to him. And having a financial advisor or a central place to where they could go was very appealing in his situation because it was just it was just him. And as you think about the basic estate planning documents that you know he w- needed to have in place, I mean, like most, he hasn't hadn't update updated his will, his trust, or any of those documents or any of his estate planning documents since his wife's passing. And again, that was uh, well over six, seven years ago. And so that was a big priority for him. And so we, we had a general conversation after we you know got through that planning process a bit and said, all right, hey, let's look through what documents you have in place now. Um, you know, He didn't have a healthcare power of attorney. He didn't have a living will declaration. He lived in Ohio. So Ohio, those documents are pretty standard. You can print them off online and get those in place to kind of take care of those healthcare wishes, which was very easy. Um, he had one, uh, his son, who we wanted to help make financial decisions for him if something were to happen. Uh, so we got his financial power of attorney uh, set up. So that way his son could do that You know, if he became incapacitated. Uh, we updated his will. And then he did have a, a trust. And we did update that as well. So as we think about a trust, um, in his case, it wasn't a, a trust that he was trying to you know, use it for tax purposes or use it for uh, long-term care concerns or anything like that. It was really the trust in his mind was there to help and facilitate that transition upon his passing to make it that much easier. I mean, because ideally we want to have as minimal amount of your assets passed through probate as possible. And that trust is a good tool that we could use uh, to help facilitate that transition and keep some of his tangible assets, uh, like his house, for example, out of probate. Now, the type of trust that we use for him is called a revocable trust, which generally, not generally, which means that he owns the trust. Uh, the trust can be changed He's again not getting any tax benefit by putting his house in the trust or you know putting his 
investment account in the trust. It's more so there that upon his passing, that trust becomes irrevocable and then designates how those assets would be distributed to the children. So in his case, that conversation around estate planning was very much, all right, hey, how do I get my children involved and make sure that estate planning transition is uh, efficient? Man, great to see how you can pull all those different pieces together, all the different moving parts, and uh, you really start to move toward a solution. And I imagine, is Dr. Smith getting a little bit more comfortable at this point, excited? What's been his change in emotion from when he first came in to then, you know, when you're getting to this part of the process? Absolutely. So on that first meeting, these topics are very covered, are covered much more high level, right? And we, we, our goal on that first meeting was to identify, well, what's our action plan going forward and how are we going to set up our time, uh, over the next, you know, month or two to kind of tackle some of these concerns. So these were all big things that we needed to tackle his retirement distribution planning, his healthcare, and then that estate plan. And then over the course of those coming months, over the course of it was about two meetings with him, uh, and then we had a, a separate meeting with the healthcare specialist where we kind of ironed out all those details and you know kind of got that plan in place. And we still got a few things that we need to shore up, but we look at where he started and where he's at now. I, I think he's been very happy and, and expressed that hey, I feel much much more comfortable with what would happen in some of these worst case scenarios from the estate planning standpoint, and much more comfortable about what he's going to do with his retirement because he's getting ready to retire here uh, in the next month or two. So in his case, we got to do a lot. We, we were able to do a lot of that work up front, have those conversations and give him time to digest and make sure that, yeah, I want to take that recommendation or yes, this is how I want to do it. Because of course, sometimes we got to make sure that the financial piece might make sense there, but it's also got to make sense from an emotional side and it's got to make sense from you know his personal situation. So sometimes that can take some time. In his case, he had plenty of time to get that all in order. And then you know, when he retires here in the next month or two, he's going to be able to go and feel comfortable and you know we can just kind of check off things as they go. Well, that's fantastic. Any, uh, any final details of, of this process and uh, how did the story conclude with Dr. Smith? Oh, he's still working, like I said. So we'll see um, when he retires here in the next, uh, it's going to be in the beginning of October. Um, so when he retires, uh, I think he'll be able to, you know, enjoy it and uh, be able to do, do some of those things that he's been uh, you know, wanting to do for some time because um, you know, he did work well into his 70s. So, um, you know, he's, um, he's like, it's time. I'm going to enjoy. He's not going down to Myrtle Beach. He is going down to the sunshine down in Florida, though. Uh, oh, nice. For a bit of time. So just as getting, nice. getting out of the good. Ohio weather, um, even though we are coming up on fall, which is my favorite time of year, um, you know, those Cleveland winters can be pretty That, that won't really matter in Florida, though, so. No, not at all. Not at all. He gets the best of both worlds. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I uh, loved the story today, and uh, it's just a great illustration of the depth that you guys take into each and every single planning process uh, that you take clients through. And hey, if you're listening to the show today and you're kind of like, man, that story sounds a lot like me, or I can see myself going through or benefiting from that kind of process. And even if you didn't have a whole lot in common with Dr. Smith, it's just an illustration of the attention to detail and the kind of benefit you get by meeting with an advisor and taking these kinds of steps. And so if you've got questions about that, want to talk a little bit more uh, with Tyler and the rest of the team at True Wealth Design to find out if you would be a great fit to go through their planning process and see if you could work together well, you can easily set up a time to visit by going to truewealthdesign.com. 
Click on the Are We Right For You button to schedule your 15-minute call with an experienced financial advisor on the True Wealth team. Again, all you have to do is go to truewealthdesign.com and look for the Are We Right For You button. Or you can call 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-893-7526. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for your time and your help on the show today. I think we're going to have to boot Kevin out a little bit more often. This was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed it, Walt. You make sure you enjoy your time out on the beach. Will do, will do. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so much, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. And, hey, we'll see you again next time on Retire Smarter. Kevin will be back with us on the next episode. So we'll see you then. For Tyler, I'm Walter. Thanks for listening. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.